We'll be continuing our series through the book of Revelation this morning. And the book of Revelation is the final book in the entire Bible. It's found in the back of the book. And if you're just joining us for the first time or just stepping into our series, I would encourage you to go back and listen to the, to the messages that we've been going through over these last uh, couple months now. Because just to gain some, some background, some context, some overview and understanding uh, how we're approaching this book, how we study this book, this can be a strange book for those who are not familiar with ancient prophetic and apocalyptic literature from over 2,000 years ago. And so all of our pastors have done an excellent job in, in highlighting and, and, and equipping us with, with how to uh, read and study and interpret and apply this, this, this great and amazing book to our lives. So I would encourage you to go back if you're just joining us or stepping in to the series, um, and recently over these last couple weeks, we've been, we've been studying a series of visions given to the Apostle John, a man who walked with Jesus. And in these visions, what we've seen is through a series of, of, of seals broken by the scroll and the hand of our great Judah King and, and High Priest Jesus Christ, uh, we've, been, we've been seeing um, the wrath of God, the judgment of God poured out upon the earth, the justice of God making right all that is wrong in the world. Now, if we actually take time to reflect on what we've covered in just the last two weeks with respect to the wrath of God and his judgment that is to come over the whole world, we too would be left with the question, who can stand? I would urge everyone, as a matter of fact, on behalf of the eternal destiny of your souls, to reflect deeply on the wrath of God in the weeks ahead. We tend to think of the wrath of God, the justice of God, as something that pertains to those just beyond our reach, right? Typically, we don't think about the wrath of God unless someone inflicts some sort of pain or distress upon us or those within our group. Then we want the justice of God, right? Bring down the wrath of God as if it's about us. As if our circumstances are what really influence the wrath of God. The kings, leaders, and people of the earth at the end of Revelation 6 raise an infinitely important question that we saw last week. Who is able to stand when the full wrath of God on that great day is poured out upon the earth? This morning's passage in Revelation 7, 1 through 8, I believe provides an answer to that infinitely important question. But in order to see and understand how this question is answered, we must put ourselves back into the apocalyptic script and watch the literary features and beauty of God's truth unfold before our eyes. You ready? All right, let's pray. Oh God. 
Open our eyes to see and behold marvelous truths from your word. Deal bountifully with us today that we may live according to your word now and forevermore. Amen. Last week, Pastor Tom mentioned briefly the idea of, he just mentioned, threw it out there, the idea of reading through these visions as if we were watching a movie. I'd like to run with that for a little bit. Not saying that he has better illustrations than me, but it's, that's one worth reusing. So we've been watching this story about how God creates his good creation Mankind falls into rebellion against God, utter corruption through and through, destroying one another, hating God and one another. And then this man, Jesus, is born. And there's a lot of commotion about him. He's loved and hated. He's eventually killed. On a cross, dies, bury, is buried, but then he comes back to life. He, he resurrects from the dead and then he ascends into heaven. And immediately thereafter, and for years and years afterward, his followers are viciously persecuted, hated, mocked, killed by people all over the world, while everyone else eats, drinks, parties, mocks God, and slays one another, devouring each other for riches and profit. This tragedy, as it appears, is coming to an end. But then, the sky throughout the whole world darkens. Asians, Africans, Europeans, South Americans, North Americans, everyone throughout the whole world all of a sudden looks up and cosmic chaos strikes. The sun dies out, earthquakes rip through the face of the earth, mountains shatter and are falling all around us. The end has come. Doom is upon us all. Who is able to stand? Then a flashback. God pulls back the curtain to show us what he's been doing behind the scenes all along. Family, we know this storytelling where at the end, the story or movie or book flashes back to show the thread of reality that's been going on since the beginning, and then it all makes sense. It all comes to light. Interstellar, the sixth sense, Memento, Shutter Island, A Beautiful Mind, to name a few movies with this type of screenplay. Who is able to stand? Revelation 7, 1 through 8. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, so that no wind would blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, 
having the seal of the living God. And he cried out with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. The tribe of Gad, 12,000. The tribe of Asher, 12,000. From the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000. The tribe of Manasseh, 12,000. From the tribe of Simeon, 12,000. Tribe of Levi, 12,000. Tribe of Issachar, 12,000. Tribe of Zebulun, 12,000. From the tribe of Joseph, 12,000. From the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. After this I saw John has another vision. This is the flashback. Why do I believe that? The four angels holding back the four winds from the four corners of the earth. The number four in Revelation signifies totality throughout the earth, mostly with respect to judgments upon the whole earth. This vision brings us back to the four horsemen at the beginning of chapter 6 who execute the judgments of God throughout the earth. But here we see they're holding back the winds of judgment. They haven't gone out yet. This vision pulls back the curtain all the way to before the execution of the four horsemen's judgments in chapter 6. For anyone who wants to study this further, check out Old Testament prophet Zechariah chapter 1 and 6. Holding back is an important theme here as this chapter serves as a type of interlude. There's a break in between the sixth and the seventh seal judgments we'll see two more interludes in the weeks ahead. These interludes possibly serving as highlighting the redeeming patience of God. That every minute of every day is designed to serve God's redemptive purposes for humanity. He's so patient with us some food for thought. An angel ascends from the place where the sun rises, the east. Historically, a place of God's blessing, arrival, and presence. A glimmer of light breaks through this cosmic chaos. This angel is holding the seal of the living God, likely referring to something like that of a signet ring historically used by kings to mark ownership and authenticate that which rightfully belongs to him. The angel commands, hold back. Before you execute full judgment, we have work to do. We have to seal all the bondservants of God on their forehead. 
Now, you might be asking, why is that, angel? What does it mean to be sealed? And herein, family, lies our greatest comfort in life and death. Amen, somebody. <laughs> the seal of God represents very much the same reality that the seal of ancient kings represented, namely, ownership. But what that means to us is of infinite value. For one, it means identification. When God seals his own on their forehead, Revelation 14.1 shows us it includes his name. 14.1, then I looked and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion and with him 144,000, uh-oh, we're going to have to come back to this passage, having his name and the name of his Father written on their foreheads. The sealed belong to God and bear his name. They are his bondservants. The seal of God also indicates protection. Protection of his people's faith and salvation through, that's important, the various sufferings and persecutions that the world, Satan, and his agents will bring. Now, this is not a don't let it touch me, Daddy, type of seal. Being kept from sufferings and hardships. This is a, I'm going in. Don't worry, I got you type of seal. Being kept through sufferings and hardships to the end. The beginning of all eternal blessedness. The sealing of God enables his people to respond in persevering faith through the trials and sufferings that we will face. It's a means of salvation and strength for those who belong to God. Why do I believe that? Because most commentators would agree that John is alluding to Ezekiel 9 here. Ezekiel is a prophet of God, and you could find his, his, the recording of his visions and scripture in the Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter 9 is a correlation for, for what's going on here. What happens there is Ezekiel has a vision where God calls his six executioners to destroy the city of Jerusalem because of its evil. Everyone will be destroyed. But before he does, God sends out his one agent clothed in linen saying this in verses 4 and 5. Go throughout the midst of the city, even through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations which are being committed 
in, this, in its midst, namely the repentant and the humble of heart. But to others, he said in my hearing, go throughout the city after him and strike. Do not let your eye have pity and do not spare anyone. And as we know, Jerusalem was destroyed and a remnant of God's people were kept. If you're somewhat familiar with the Bible and the Old Testament narratives, you can't help but to also recall the Exodus, where the people of God were kept through the plagues of judgment that were poured out in Egypt, having been covered by the blood of the Lamb over their doorways. It's the same concept here in this vision of Revelation 7, which we'll find again in Revelation 9 and in other places as we move forward. The seal represents protection and sure salvation for God's bondservants, which stands in contrast to the mark of the beast's name placed on everyone else throughout the world who reject God and worship other powers, solidifying their certain judgment and doom. Now, let's note something important here. Lest we start thinking and looking around and comparing ourselves to others to find some security. I ain't as bad as he. I ain't as bad as she. The judgment of God is not primarily based on whether you murdered anyone or abused anyone or used drugs or cheated at school or on your taxes or bullied anyone or behave in devious ways at work, online, or at home. The judgment of God has everything to do with whether or not you belong to him. So, the question arises then, who are the ones who receive this sealing of God? John hears the number of those who are sealed. 144,000 from all these tribes and sons of Israel. Now, there are many different interpretations of what this list means and, and, and who this is referring to, who they represent. But I can only highlight two main camps at large within Protestant evangelicalism who, who tend to interpret the, the, this, this list as either a literal group of people, a, 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 a certain number, 144,000 uh, people, or those who interpret it symbolically, that, that it represents something figuratively of a number, a grouping of people beyond, not, not necessarily just 144,000. Okay, as Pastor Tom laid out several groups of interpretation for this book a couple weeks ago, we could see things that like futurists and preterists can view the number as literal, representing a certain group of ethnic Jews that are saved either through the, the, the destruction of the, the, the early temple, the early Jewish temple in 70 AD, 
or a group of ethnic Jews who, are, who, who come to Christ and are, and are saved through a final period of tribulation at the end. And then there are others, like myself, who understand this group to be symbolic, representing the full number of all those redeemed by God, the entire people of God, Old Testament and New Testament saints. Unfortunately, because this is a really fun study, for time's sake, I can only share a few reasons why, and I'm going to fly through this. So if you're interested, go back and, 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 and replay and just listen. And I'm available if you want to interact at any point on this. It's a fun study. It, it really is. First observation, it's another number, which I believe to be symbolic, as with most uses of the many numbers found throughout this book. So, 144,000, 12,000 times 12, or 12 times 12 times 1,000, 12. What's with this number? 12 typically refers in this book, and we see even Old Testament into the New Testament, representing the people of God. Take a glimpse at the end of the book, the new Jerusalem that comes, the final state, the full people of God, the dwelling place of God with his people, says the new Jerusalem has 12 gates, and at the gates, 12 angels with the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel, and the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Six times the number 12, used in just these two verses. Referring to the people of God, the entirety of the people of God. Second, a few notes on this list. This list is not found in this way anywhere in the Bible. It is in extremely unique in this book. This list is out of birth order in several ways. It represents both sons of Jacob... And tribes of Israel. That's important, but I can't get into that now. Judah is listed first, which shouldn't be surprising because our great Judah king, Jesus Christ, is the head of his people. Dan is omitted from the list. Why? Possibly because Dan's tribe is historically associated with leading the people of God astray into idolatry and worshiping false gods. This list is the list of the redeemed, those who follow Christ. I believe this is made clear in Revelation 14, where the 144,000, as we saw further on, are explicitly st uh, stated as the redeemed from all mankind who follow the Lamb with pure devotion. Revelation 14 connects directly with the second half of this chapter, which we'll see next week. And chapter 5, namely, every nation, tribe, and tongue standing before the throne of God in worship. Furthermore, notice the same pattern in this vision that we saw in Revelation 5. Namely, he hears the number. 144,000. And then he sees, which we didn't read, it's gonna, we're going to be picking up on next week, Revelation 7, 9. Then I looked. What does he see? 
Behold, a great multitude, which no one could count from every tribe, nation, people, and tongue, standing in worship. They made it. Read chapter 7 straight through. The 144,000 is the great multitude, just like the lion, which, which he heard in Revelation 5, is the lamb who he saw. One and the same entity. Not to mention, the angel says at the outset in verse 3, they are sealing the bondservants of God, which is always used in this book referring to all redeemed believers united to God by faith. The opening verse of the book, the message, the, 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 the revelation of Jesus Christ given to all the bondservants of God. We should be careful to limit that. Lastly, broader New Testament theology shows that for those who believe in the gospel of Jesus, God seals with his Holy Spirit as a guarantee of spiritual protection and preservation unto final salvation. Amen? Ephesians 1.13, check it out. What's the point? What's the point of all this? Peace. Peace is the response of all the bondservants of Christ, <laughs> excuse me, versus panic. The typical response of everyone else in the world. As sufferings and hardships increase, peace should increase in the hearts of believers, the bondservants of Christ. And panic will increase in the hearts of unbelievers who do not bear the name of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Family, there is a lot of panic in this world. There is a lot of panic in the church in America today. There is a lot of panic in our hearts what does that tell us? Something is off. There seems to be a major disconnect somewhere for too many of us that profess faith in the lordship of King Jesus and yet respond to the world around us in panic. School systems and universities, politics, medicine, the media, the rioters, the persecution is coming. But when we read this book, our perspective should change. Uh-oh. The wrath of God. Who is able to stand? The most helpful answer to this question is not in determining exactly who this 144,000 is and who it is not and all the possibilities getting caught up in. The most helpful answer to this question from this passage is not nobody. Not nobody can endure God's full wrath that will be poured out. The sealed will stand. 
The sealed will endure God's wrath and surely make it into eternal bliss with him forever and ever. And if the sealed can endure humanity's greatest threat, namely God's wrath, then the sealed can endure anything by God's grace and sovereignty over us. Amen? Now, all this leaves us asking one more question. If the sealed will stand then how do we get sealed? Repent and believe in the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from your ways and believe in Him and His ways. Receive Him. Receive all that He's done for us. Receive His name. Receive His seal. Receive everything that comes with knowing and being with Him and being known by Him. Receive His peace, His joy, His security, His satisfaction, His family, His love, His hope, the hope of everlasting life. Family, the sealed will stand. So we send to seal. We send to seal. This is our mission and purpose in the world. Worship and witness. We receive God's seal over our lives and we send to seal others. We send to seal. Every time we gather, we gather to scatter. Every week, we come together, bring all the trials and, and troubles on our hearts and the joys with us before God and one another in worship and revitalization to move back out. To move out. We are sent out every week to make Christ known, to make more and more worshipers of God. And as we make Christ known and lead people to Christ, he seals them too with us for eternal salvation and joy. Every week we are all sent out to seal throughout our community and throughout the world as we live out our purpose and call to make disciples of all people in every nation. 